Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 7 of Revelation chapter 17. We're going to be reading Revelation 17 verse 8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on, on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. Alright, the, the beast is the name that God has assigned to Satan for his period of rule during the Great Tribulation period. And it says, as the Lord is speaking to John, Thou sawest, he was, is not, and yet shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. That is, he was prior to the cross. At the time of the cross, he was bound. It's as though he's dead in a sense. He's cast into a bottomless pit. So he is not. And yet he shall be. He will ascend out of that pit at the time of the end, the time of the Great Tribulation. And we're very familiar with the time of Satan's loosing and the character of Satan's assault against the church throughout the 23-year Great Tribulation period. I don't think we need to go over that again. But then it says... Following this, after the Apostle John is given this vision of the beast, he, he saw it was, it is not, shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and then it says, and go into perdition. And the way God writes that statement, it, it's amazing because it's covering literally thousands of years. The beast that thou sawest was for 11,000 years of the Old Testament. He is not uh, currently, uh, as Revelation is being written towards the close of the first century A.D., Satan was bound at the cross in 33 A.D., just a few decades ago, and he'll be bound throughout the entire church age. So he is not for 1,955 years, in a sense, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, which comes at the end of the church age, it already took place in 1988, and the the period of Satan's ascension is taking his seat in the temple, ascending above the, the heights of the clouds, as Isaiah 14 says, and he um, ruled over the churches during the period of God's judgment upon them. And following this, he shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. So God is um, looking ahead, even past the Great Tribulation, to the, the Day of Judgment, where we presently are, our present time period. And the time of Satan's judgment is when he will go into perdition. Now, we, we know 
that uh, May 21, 2011 was the beginning of Judgment Day, which is a prolonged period of time, very likely 1,600 days in duration, and Satan was put down. He was he was deposed from all rule and authority at the beginning, even though he continues to exist until the very end of this prolonged day of judgment. And if we're correct about the 1600 days, then on October 7th, 2015, which now we can say is this year, Satan will be destroyed. Um, he will be uh, burned to pieces. He, uh, or, uh, well, he's a spirit being, so I don't know if we can use that type of language. Um, he will be completely annihilated. We can say that. And that's what this word points to. Perdition is uh, Strong's number 684. Apolia is how I would pronounce it. It's the word that's translated as destruction in Matthew chapter 7 and in verse 13. It says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, apolia, and many there be which go in thereat. And and uh, that's um, where Satan has gone, according to Revelation 17.8. He goes into perdition. He goes into destruction. It's the same word as in Romans chapter 9 and verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. One day soon all the unsafe people of the earth will be destroyed. And destruction has come in a sense when judgment day began and the door of heaven was shut and the light of the gospel went out. God does view that as though mankind has entered into a condition of death and hell, but man still exists. He still is uh, on the earth. And it is God's plan to finally, completely destroy man as well as the earth, as well as the universe, as well as the spirit beings that rebelled like Satan. All will be destroyed. Therefore, Destruction ultimately points to annihilation, to the the perishing of man, the cutting off of man, where finally he ceases to exist and he is no more. It's the word we find in Second Peter chapter three. It says in uh, verse seven, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men, and destruction of ungodly men. Now, by the way, this word perdition is the uh, part of the name that God actually has given to Satan in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 where it says in verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come 
except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of destruction. And and that is speaking of Satan. He so identifies with destruction or perdition, God uh, calls him the son of perdition. And uh, this is also taken from Isaiah 14, where he is called son of the morning in, in that chapter. And uh, when we look up the word morning, many times it identifies with judgment day or a destruction of some sort, judgment on the church or judgment on the world. And and so there he's called son of the morning, but the morning is really a um, synonym for destruction. And that's why God picks up the meaning of the word and applies it here in Second Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Okay, let's go back to Revelation 17 and continue on in verse 8. And it goes on to say, And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they behold the beast that was and is not and yet is. And uh, here God is speaking of the unsaved people of the world. And and he is making sure we understand that because their names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So the book of life, which we should not think is uh, an actual book, it, it's a figure of speech, God uses to uh, to indicate that certain individuals had their names written down. And what happens when you write something down? Well, you, you have it recorded, you have a record of it, um, and 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 therefore you will not forget it, and and so we, um, man, uh, we we want to write things down. We sometimes insist if we make any kind of deal or arrangement, we want to see it in writing, because writing is uh, assurance to us. It it's confirmation to us. It's a record that that proves that a transaction took place. We purchased a house. Just about everything in this world of any value is is put into writing. When you buy a car, you have to uh, fill out the paperwork. You, It's in writing. A house purchase is in writing. And even when you get married, you get a um, marriage certificate. The, the state puts it in writing. And, and many, many important things are put in writing. Even today, when we're getting away from uh, physical documents, yet we still have online documents. We, we write, uh, put things in writing that way, and, and it's a similar idea. There's a record of it. There's a signature or accepted form of signature, and, and that is assurance. You own this, or yes, you're a member of this organization. We have your payments in writing. Bills are are really in writing. You write out a check. You send it with the writing of the bill. 
everything is in writing. So God is condescending to us, and he's letting us know, look, this isn't going to be forgotten. I'm not going to uh, make a mistake with the names of one of these people. So I have a book of life. And in that book of life are the names of all those that I have saved. And and, uh, I have recorded them. As we read in Ephesians chapter 1, it doesn't mention the book of life here, but this is um, the same idea. In Ephesians 1 verse 4, According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So there God is speaking of choosing certain individuals before the foundation of the world, predestinating them to salvation, and therefore putting their names in the book of life. In in Revelation chapter 13, we discuss this in in verse 8. It says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, and that's um, in Revelation 13, also referring to the beast, Satan, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. So now we know that the book of life uh, was the the figure of speech of the book of life was there at the point of the world's foundation. We were predestinated unto salvation. Christ died as the lamb at the point of the world's foundation. He rose again justifying everyone who God had determined to save. Uh, All the Jacobs. Jacob have I loved, but Esau I hated. Before either had done any good or evil, before Jacob was born, God made choice. And people like to talk about choice and, and free will and making a decision. And the Bible doesn't know anything about man insofar as a choice concerning salvation. It does tell us, that you have not chosen me, Jesus says, but I have chosen you. And the Bible does tell us in John chapter 1, where God directly, very directly, addresses the question of man's free will. And he says in John 1 verse 13, which were born, that of course, that's speaking of being born again, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So man is born again by will, yes, but it's not man's will, it's God's will. And that's also what Ephesians 1 verse 5 said, and uh, let me read that again in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, at the the end of verse 5, or I'll read the whole verse, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according 
to the good pleasure of his will. That That's how someone becomes born again. It, will is extremely important, but not your will or my will or any man's will. Oh, we will. Oh, yes, we will. Uh, Lord, save me. I accept you. I have decided to follow you. And, and so forth. People say a thousand different things to God to express their will. And yet, not any of it, not a word, not a thought, not a conviction of man has ever saved a single soul. It's God's will. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. We read in the Gospel of John. It's according to the pleasure of His will, and not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is God's will that saves the sinner. It is God that determines who will have their sins forgiven, who will enjoy eternal life forevermore. As a result, as we read in Romans chapter 9, it says in verse 15, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now tell me, after reading these verses, whose will determines salvation. And it it, it says in verse 16 of Romans 9, So then, after God just got done saying, I will, four times in the previous verse, concerning whom he will have mercy and upon whom he will have compassion, four times he said, I will. And then in verse 16 of Romans 9, he says, So then, it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Come on. Can God be any clearer than this? Can God be any more direct than John 1.13? It's not of the will of man, but of God. You can't get a more direct statement, I would think, in all the Bible. But how is it then that the churches today teach free will. Theologians teach free will. Pastors teach free will. Crusades fill stadiums with free will gospels. And it's all uh, about man's decision. Won't you choose Christ? Won't you will to follow him? It's in your court. As such as in a tennis match. Now it's your serve. It's up to you. God left it in your hands. And it, oh, what lies. What filthy, ugly, dirty lies. All that is. And what deceitfulness to deceive people into thinking they can do something when the Bible insists and dogmatically, dogmatically, a hundred percent, absolutely the Bible insists you're dead in sin. You cannot do anything to get yourself saved. It's not of your will. You can't choose me. I will choose you if you're one of my elect. 
It, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion upon whom I will have compassion. So then, it is not of him that willeth. And it, 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 it doesn't matter. It, today, we're too far along into the, the end of the world. We're in judgment day and the church isn't going to change. And people, for the most part, uh, overwhelmingly, that are involved in free will gospels are in the church. Perhaps there's an individual or two that has been badly influenced by the church, and, and he or she is outside the church, and, and, and perhaps potentially that individual could have become saved before God shut the door of heaven on May 21, 2011. But for the most part, it it doesn't matter anymore they have no uh no desire to follow the true word of god they have no inclination to repent to turn from these high places these false teachings and doctrines they are set in their ways they will not turn back and and uh, of, of course we we always want to declare the truth, and God still requires and demands and would have man repent and turn from their sin, whether it be adultery or murder or lying or a false gospel like the free will gospel. God would command men to turn from these things. And to God it matters, and I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. Of course it matters to him. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over Pal Talk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.